Hello, you lovely, lovely people. Today, I'm bringing you in an interview with Scott Isley. Scott is, he's a jiu-jitsu brown belt, um, someone who's worked in the strength and conditioning, physical optimization realm for, God, maybe even two decades. Um, you know, he's been working uh, quite specifically focused on myo myofascia and myofascia release before I even know, uh, maybe I'm still pronouncing it wrong, before I even knew that word existed. So he's, Scott's been around for some time um, and really knows his stuff. He's also uh, the owner of one of the, the, the leading companies developing myofascial release tools, uh, Mob Mobilitas, that's M-O-B-I-L-I-T-A-S. And one of, the, one of my favorite mobility tools, I call it the Death Star. They call it the Sphere. Um, I've put it on a lot of my posts. Is, is from Mobilitas, and I've used that you know, pretty much every day for the last two or three years since I first, first met Scott. Um, but you know he's he's a very knowledgeable guy. Very, we get into some interest interesting topics. Um, he it feels like he's interviewing me for um, a good fifteen minutes in in the middle. So I think it's it's an interesting conversation. Something that felt very very natural to me. I had a lot of fun with Scott. It's split over two sections actually. We you know spent some of the time actually. He got out here to BJJ Strength HQ and we sat down and and chatted. But you know unfortunately we had to cut it short. So we finished the rest off today over the phone. Um, so it really goes off into some interesting tangents, I think, anyway. Um, but as always, well, let me know what you think about, about the show um, and the interview with Scott. But with that, guys, let's just get into it. You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Sometimes I have problems with these mics, but... um. Do you have to keep it close or is it okay? Relatively close, I think. It's kind of like, if you can come, come in a little bit this distance. Yeah, how's that? Um, is this good when we talk? Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll, that'll be good enough. Um, well, uh, let's, just, let's just get going then. We've been... Yeah. So, um, if you want to just wrap it up, or just, 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 wrap, wrap, just wrap, wrap it up. We, yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up. We, we just set up. Let's wrap up. I think we've talked about like uh, a bunch of stuff off um, off air. You're the, um, Scott, you're the first person to to come in to uh, BJJ Strength HQ for, for, for the interview. <laughs> I love it, man. Happy to be the first one. That's awesome, cool. man. Um, uh, Scott, why don't you start by saying saying hello and tell people a little bit about your background and yeah, and well, go from there. I related to the BJJ community. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been training since about two thousand three myself. I started out in uh, in Hollywood with Marcus Vinicius at Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu Club. Yeah, do with Joe Rogan. You know, shout out to <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Marcus Vinicius. Um, and then I've been. It's funny because used to my nickname was the tourist because I would I would okay. go and I'd train and then I might take a couple months off and then around 2006 I took about four four months off myself. Yeah. Um, then got back into it. So when did you start? When did you first start jujitsu? 2003. Okay. Yeah, and then I started getting into because I had a wrestling background in high school and I was kind of had an itch I needed to scratch and I wanted to get into something so got into it then and a friend of mine was training at the time and so kind of indoctrinated me that way and so I started training and competing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's just been kind of a lifestyle thing ever yeah. since. You know, going back to it, and obviously I've been training now for shit. I don't know how long it's been. Fifteen years, something like that. Fifteen years, off and on. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, brown belt, brown belt, four stripes. 
No, brand vote solid. Yeah, no, no, yeah no. I, I don't. I won't take any stripes right now. I, okay. I, seriously, I need to. I need to get in the competition circuit and do it again because I mean I feel like I have to earn. Yeah. Earn that belt because I, I definitely uh, for me a black belt is not. I need to challenge myself, improve myself, be consistent, you know, and be consistent. So yeah, yeah, definitely get in there and do that. But but with the uh, with Mobilitas, what kind of started that whole gig down that road? I was a personal trainer for about twelve years. Yeah. 12,000 hours experience working with clients and then as I was training JITS when I got back into it about 2009 uh, then I completely jacked my knee up because I had a lot of meniscal issues from before yeah okay from, from wrestling or? from wrestling yeah and then yeah. playing rugby at UCLA I used and, to uh, I think we do haven't we haven't talked about rugby oh yeah that's right that's right because you're from Wales right yeah so this is your thing yeah uh, it sounds a lot more uh, bigger than it was it was a club team okay I mean, no disrespect to UCLA rugby love it but, um, it's rugby in America. It's rugby in America. So it wasn't as, like, it was you know, not Division One. you know, NCAA. It's just basically it was a club club team doing our thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, through that, I had some serious knee issues from there, but didn't didn't do any surgery or anything like that. But then getting back into JITS, I was just uh, just messing my knees up. So I completely tore my, my right knee, the meniscus in that one. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to avoid surgery at the time, so... Stayed away from it, and I was limping pretty significantly for about a month, month and a half, thinking I could fix it myself with what I knew, but my, my knowledge was pretty limited. This is, what, 2009? Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. And uh, a friend of mine, she was an acupuncturist, and she knew a lot more about mobility and myofascial release, which wasn't quite really a thing around that time, 2009. It wasn't as mainstream as it is now, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? Shit, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. so hard to believe it was 10 years ago. <laughs> Crazy, right. It is. And... Uh, yeah, so she, we, she worked on my knee for about a, a good solid week, did a lot of deep stretching. It was the first time I really ever used a foam roller, and then we fixed my knee in like one week's time. So I went from limping for like a, a month and a half to walking perfectly. What, were, what Can you remember the, what the problems were? With yeah, my hamstring was just massively tight. My glute wasn't firing. So, okay. so when I was training, my, uh, one of my quad muscles was pulling the patella off and then over, overworking my hamstring. Yeah. So I was just getting, it was just shearing the hell out of my, my meniscus. And obviously, when you when you have your adrenal going and you're, you're just you're going, 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 you're not doing the self-maintenance, then you're just kind of asking for it at that point. But, yeah. So for me, that was just pretty much eye-opening. And so I started doing a little bit more mobility work with my clientele, applying it to myself, going a little so bit you're deeper. you still working as a personal trainer at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the tipping point for the business came in 2015. When I was basically telling my clients, like most trainers do, to buy three lacrosse balls, you sport tape two together, make a peanut, you have a single one, you get a foam roller, and that's your yeah. basic you know, self-care kit yeah. to run with. And so at the time, I was thinking, well, why do we keep telling people to make this thing? Because I was mm-hmm. seeing some stuff on Amazon. I wasn't really seeing much like it at the time. So I was like, well, we'll just, we'll just make this damn thing. So that's kind of how we went down the, the rabbit hole with manufacturing these mobility products, starting with a double peanut. And then from there, I was like, well, why don't we just make badass mobility tools that are just great that I wouldn't want to use that can get the information out and, and help people so yeah so with the pizza so the peanut is because I started off the same as you right and we would and we uh, Scott and I were talking before we started recording and saying of course we were talking before we were recording that's what you're doing right you're human but um, <laughs> I the, the 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 bible when it comes to mobility yeah is um the supple leopard I think sure. I've got I think I've, this this book here could be the new bible but we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll get talking about that one um, and I started off the same way, right? Mm-hmm. So two lacrosse balls taped together, and that's what the peanut is, and that was the first, exactly right. the first thing you started off with. Yeah, we did. And the reason why we did this because I mean, yeah, you could definitely make a peanut, and that's fine and all, but yeah. it's nice to kind of have a tool that 
you don't have to make a remake constantly. You know, something that's got good grip that's better than the tape that you would use. Because yeah. normally you're either going to use electrical tape or you're going to use some kind of, uh, it's kind of like the jujitsu tape that's got some grip to it, but it gets all nasty after a while. Yeah. So you either got to clean the thing constantly or then remake it, or you're going to get something slick that's not going to have any grip to it. So yeah. we're like, well, shit, we'll just make a product that's that's awesome and it'll last forever. So I've, I think I've, I've had my peanut now. Sounds really weird, but I've had it. So, by the way, what's best is when they say, "Hey, you got Scott's balls." You know? Scott's balls. I've been, I've been using Scott's Scott's big balls on my. I've got a pair of never, Scott's balls. You're never going to use them again. No, funny story though. We're doing a. I was doing an event and someone had bought our stuff, and then months later they came by again and they were like, "Oh, hey, you know, we're still using stuff. We love it, but we we left your peanut out on the." Uh, on the nightstand one day and some guests came over and they saw it and they didn't know what it is. They're like, so what are you, what, what kind of stuff are you guys into? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For those of you who haven't seen it, seen the product you get once you do, it can, uh, can be misinterpreted as a, uh as something other than what it is, so yeah, it can it can, <laughs> it can, it can look like anal beads. You know, it's been polite, but yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've had I've had my peanut for. Um, I think nearly two years ago when I first met you. Yeah. And I use that. I use that thing like three, four times a week. That's cool. I put like um, I get a kettlebell on my chest mm-hmm. to put more pressure on it. And that thing is like yeah, I haven't done that. Goodness, it's, 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 yeah, it's brutal, right? But it's it's damn good. It's, yeah. it's as good as new almost. You know, so That's fantastic. Um, so but it's more mobilitas is the name of the company, right? Mobilitas. Yeah, and honestly, the name came about. I'd love to say we have this fantastic story where. The skies parted and God spoke, but honestly, we're like, well, what are we going to call this thing? Let's, let's call it Latin for mobility, because that's what mobilitas is, it's Latin. Is that, so, is that yeah, what it is? So it's, it's mobility in Latin, so I was like, well, why not just take it back to its essence and, and do that, since, you know, that's what we're going to be making is all straight up mobility tools, everything to help, you know, unlock movement and uh, that's pretty move, cool. move without pain, so. Mobility, I did not know, I did not know I was going to say, yeah, especially, uh, you know. I imagine most people from Wales have a good rooting in Latin and. Oh no! What what, what Gaelic languages? I, I don't. You know, I'm really bad. I'm really bad. I can barely speak English, but I'm. <laughs> I'm pretty... <laughs> no, you guys invented it. What do you mean? You can barely speak English. I'm Welsh. Oh Welsh. Oh, don't okay. tell me with Apparish. Oh my man. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah okay. <laughs> but what was I going to What was I going to say? Um, no, mm. languages are not my. I, I wish. I mean, I'm interested in languages, but it's not my strong point. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about. So, you know, going along the line of, you know, myofascial release and, you know, particularly how you were solving the knee problems. Mm-hmm. But you said there's research that's come out recently that the bot, they found a new organ. Yeah, I, th- I believe I read this shoot in the New York Times a couple months ago. I mean, yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, if anybody's listening to this and, and saw the article, you know what I'm talking about. But they were saying that the they have classified this new system in our body as a new organ. And that's within the fascia line. And I don't know if that runs through through the whole body. You know, we were talking about the the fashion lines that run through the whole system as a chain. I don't know if it's connected through the entire thing or, or what it is. I didn't read too deep into it, but it, my gist from what I took away from the article is like, we don't know what it is or what it does, but we know that it is necessary to be classified as an organ. So, I mean, that's crazy. I'd have to look into that. Maybe before our next filming, I'll check it out. And yeah, we can, we, yeah, we, yeah we, can, we can read it. Um, we, we can. A lot. If you can send me the link, I'll read it. And we can talk yeah, about I'll that. Yeah, check it out today. Because there's a lot of stuff, right? I, I'm like I've got a, a one of my books over there. It's I've just, it's the first book I'm reading on kind of knee knee problems and knee pain. It's mm. such a big thing for jujitsu. Oh, the uh, treat your heel. Yeah, yeah okay, it's it's, okay. it's a very simple textbook and it's um, mm-hmm. you know simplified. I think very much for the general population. And sure. it's interesting when I look at 
that anatomy book or I can look at some of the other textbooks I've got here or nearly all of the anatomy books will feature the connective tissue in the muscles mm. they very rarely talk about the fascia the fascia is something that's almost kind of disappeared mm. and it, it's that well, it's something that I didn't really know I, I knew there was Maya fascia but I didn't know the, the extent that it was there I think it can be kind of like half an inch thick right in between uh, is what yes what I've been reading mm. recently yep. and um but it just come it comes back to that thing of you know they found a new organ how much we think we know about the body yeah um that's true but at the same time it's kind of like you know we take the best information for what we have now and apply it and then see what it works and if it doesn't great and if we can keep adding to it fantastic so I mean it's a constant uh cycle upwards and information and knowledge and self-treatment so yeah i mean the fact that even people have a in the in the conversation where they talk about self-maintenance that's light years beyond where it was even 10 years ago mm -hmm. you know the fact that the majority more people are talking about it i mean honestly when when you started the business in 2015 my kind of pitch to people i was talking to is like if we were wherever we were let's say a coffee shop or something say okay well, look around here and just even mention what is a foam roller you know 80 90 percent would have no idea yeah Fast forward four years later, and depending on the location you're at, I guarantee it's you know 40%, 50%, even more. I mean, shoot, even my sister, when I told her, hey, this is, we're going to be manufacturing these products, she's like, well, what's a foam roller, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I think it also depends on your location, right? So people that kind of geek out on it, it feels like everybody talks about it. But depending on where you go, like here in Southern California, obviously more people are more health conscious, and they'll, they're more up on it, but in yeah. different pockets, you know, it's... Not as popular, but I mean, like I said, the fact that it's even in the conversation for the majority of people is a significant shift, you know. What I think is shifting as well, and you know, based on location, it changes. Is people are not now accepting that when I'm, you know, in my seventies, eighties, I'm I have to be hunched over yeah. and in really poor posture because I've just let my body degrade. And Absolutely. Well, there's a natural aging process, but I, you sure. you've got some interesting stuff to talk about there, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I think people are more aware of, and I see it a lot with my my two girls. Mm -hmm. That I'm like, people don't just become the people are not born like that. They become like that over time through yeah. years of misuse. Yeah. Uh, I think it gets to a point where if you, there's probably a tipping point that you can't reverse it. But I'm mm -hmm. I'm making corrections in my body now that you know yeah. even as someone, do you know what? Even as someone who's looked after looked after their body, that can be worse because if you do all the wear and tear you put on your body, unless yeah. you're rebalancing all the time, yeah. and I'm conscious of it, and even now I'm realizing stuff that, mm -hmm. well, hang on, why is my left side so much tighter on my right yeah. than my right side, and I've never stretched that as much as I should yeah. yeah well you're taking it to a higher level that internal feedback that you're paying attention to yeah. is, is difficult for a lot of people because they haven't in, haven't felt in you know intrinsically how things move and how things are, are functioning they don't especially know it's a problem. but I did see a gal was in her 80s I think and she was complete hunched over shriveled mess and then she worked with this yoga instructor slowly but surely she was able to get her to full function so I really yeah, I think it's it, if you put in the work, no matter where you're at. I mean, unless you have fusions and some surgery limitations, mm. I don't think there's anything limiting you from being able to restore function. Maybe not 100, percent but based off of wherever you're at with your aging process. Wow. If you put in the work and consistent work and do it the right way with the right uh, with the right knowledge behind it, and so I don't think there's any limitation with with age. So, oh well, for anybody listening, it's like whatever pain level you're at, you can more than likely address it and fix it in the right with this approaching it intelligently
get yeah re- achieve some form yeah. of just normal normal yeah. function again. Because I'm convinced that like most of the issues we feel in our joints, like seven times out of ten, eight times out of ten, we could probably it's a soft tissue problem that we could probably fix on our own. So I think the go-to is you know my my joint hurts, my knee hurts, my foot hurts. I'm going to see a doctor, and the majority of general protect practitioners aren't really going to know. I mean, what's in the uh, the wheelhouse is you know let's get an X-ray, let's get an MRI. Okay, well this is this, so then we got to you know, go to PT or we got to get surgery. When I've heard it a lot, where they're they're not mentioning okay, let's do some mobility work, some self maintenance stuff. So let's do some strengthening. Let's pay attention if there's a weakness in one area and not in another. And let's see if we can yeah. kind of correct the imbalance like you were talking about. Uh, mm. One thing to kind of break things down to its essence that I like is I like thinking about the body. It's kind of like a puppet on strings. Yeah. And so if you think of just a puppet with multiple strings, yeah. and oftentimes if a string is kind of pulling one way, it pulls the puppet out of alignment. So the good idea is to get that string a little bit longer and the other one a little bit tighter because every muscle has an opposite. So yeah, putting that in context, it makes it kind of easier to kind of get the get the overall concept of how the body even moves itself. So if you're training, if you're doing jujitsu, if you're doing whatever you're doing, you have constant pain in a certain area, you got to think, okay, what, where's the pain and what's causing it? And then let's see if we can get that uh, unscrewed up. Yeah, because you treat, it's treating the, the, treating the pain versus treating the symptoms. And I think Western medicine, and I was listening to a guy called Johan Harry, he's on the Joel Rogan podcast, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about this in terms of mental health. When people have you know, pain and suffering, you know, psychological pain and suffering, which mm. can have, you know, physical symptoms as well. Absolutely. It's, you know, you, you can treat the pain and you can get rid of the pain, but you've also got to look at the symptoms. But also importantly, you've got to listen to the pain. It's a signal. So true. It's a signal so that something's true. wrong. But yeah. I think Western medicine is so caught up, at least most people, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. caught it's caught up in, in terms of, well, let's, let's, let's treat, treat the pain. Yeah, I say this all the time. I mean, basically, if you're going to talk about maintenance and self-care, pain is a check engine light. 100%. Yeah. So it's like you can either mask, turn off the light, or you're going to address and try to fix the problem. Mm. And most people, they don't know how to fix it, so they're going to just try to get rid of the get rid of the light, you know? Yeah. That's a good that's a good way to look at it. I like the puppet on strings analogy as well. Yeah, I use that one a lot. But yeah. you're so, so true. Like, where if the mind is stressed or, or uh, if we have certain environmental things going on, then the body's not going to open up as, as easily as we like. So sometimes when people are, are doing mobility work or rolling... Or getting self or getting massage work, it doesn't open like you want. So kind of look at like, are they stressed? Is the cortisol levels high? Are they dehydrated? Mm. Poor nutrition, inflammation. Yeah. You know, how's their sleep? If their sleep's not going right, then the, the nervous system's not functioning properly. You know, yeah. those are kind of things that you got to think about. If okay, if my stuff's not opening, maybe there's some kind of environmental thing that we need to kind so of look you, at. So you've seen that with with cl- you've seen a little that bit with like clients. yeah because we're doing like we'll do events and stuff and we'll be showing them how to do mobility work yeah. and, and rolling and moving and stretching and they're not opening up like they normally do mm-hmm. but you know so it's usually a couple of reasons either stressed because you know they're holding the breath and they're just not receptive and they don't want to open up uh, or b you can just tell they're living in inflammation i mean you can see when someone's not healthy yeah you know, okay i mean they look inflamed or they're puffy or are there tell- telltale signs that you can see or is it more of an intuitive kind of sense when no, you I mean, well I guess you can see if someone looks healthy or someone doesn't right you can see if yeah. it's not just an in shape thing but also I mean you can see in someone's eyes you know if they're, they're clear if they're not clear you know someone's a smoker and a drink and they're coming up and they're trying to you can sense an energy from people right it's not even energy, like physiologically you can see a difference not always but some people okay. that come up like especially I guess in older populations that aren't open to uh, yeah open to this type of stuff then uh, there's a resistance and you can see 
just uh, physically, but also mentally, that they're not wanting for this to work. You know, so it's. Do you think that? Do you think that is partly to do with something I think about a lot that people think about themselves as a fixed entity, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm someone that can actually kind of change. Yeah, I think it's just. I guess it's one's own personal philosophy, but I think if you've had you know, a lifestyle of thinking of a certain way and you don't feel like it's within your own power to fix yourself, then that anything that would change your perspective is is, is going to seem, you don't want to upset the apple cart. Yeah. So That's what it seems like to me, at least. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but having I, tried to, there's certain populations that are challenging to work with in that sense. Okay. Um, but that's just, you know, obviously if you reach them in a different way, then that's, the, you've got to re- meet them where they're at to, to reach them and, and take them where they want to go. But if you come at them straight with, here's the answer to fix your stuff, it's very difficult. you got to change that that perspective and mindset. But we're t- I mean, some, people, some people don't care. Some people, they don't. I worked with a guy, a um, mm-hmm. guy called Tommy Bonner. Mm-hmm. He's not listening to this podcast, but in case he does, yeah, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. But I used to have a standing desk when I used to work in an office. Yeah. And it was great, right? Because one, it's a standing desk and I don't like sitting all day. But people would see you, so they'd come over and talk to you all the time. And I would, I'd explain to him, like, oh, yeah, Tommy, it's so much better for your back and your hips and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he would, I don't know how to, old, old to, um, Tommy is, but he's, you know, he's, he's um, maybe 10, 15 years older than I am. And he's mm. like, you know, I've just, he's like, I've just accepted that my, my body's on a downward path. Yeah. yeah I've got this yeah, really yeah. comfortable chair. I'm right. happy with it. Comfort, man. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. You've got a, it's 20, it's 20 past now. Oh, is it really? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I got a probably right here we can just let's jump so how are you good man i'm exhausted right now it's been a whirlwind the past three days but other than that i'm fantastic you look beat right so for for the benefit of the for the benefit of the listeners i haven't put scott now in a tunnel or a box in my office Mm -hmm. actually scott had to leave um due to the nature of the worst traffic in the world, Southern California, I think. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so we're doing this, we're doing this um, on, on the phone now. So what, you, you were up in LA for what, three days? Three days back to back? Yeah, it was back and forth. I had some uh, work up there to do, so running back and forth between the two and then to be back here for my little one and her obligations. Yeah. yeah three hours up and then three hours back. It just happened to be the way it was. It's brutal. That's the that's the absolute worst it gets. I mean, three, three and a half hours from San Diego to LA is about max. And if you time, time it right, then you can get outside of it. I'm always surprised when I fly out of San Diego airport to go to, say, New York or somewhere. Um, people, are actually, people actually fly from San Diego to LA. Yeah. Yeah, it's understandable. I was saying that uh, Elon Musk takes a, a helicopter or flies in between places just within LA just because the traffic is so bad. Within LA? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be a nice amount of money to have, wouldn't it, to just fly around on a... <laughs> Apparently, it's pretty quick. Like, when you're in a, a helicopter, like, it, LA gets a lot smaller than you think it does. Oh, yeah, because we were, we were up in LA um, two or three weeks ago, and we were checking out some new neighborhoods. We were in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. We were in London. We were on Sunset Boulevard, then we went to, wanted to go to Highland Park, and it was 10 miles on a Saturday, mm-hmm. right? And it took... 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, 10 miles, that's a, that's a long distance for, for LA traffic, especially street traffic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that your phone vibrating? No, there's a plane overhead. I don't know if that's, 
if it's you're fine. picking that up or not. Well, only a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we wanted to start off with um, what was the what, it's, it's what's the name of this new organ that the, the scientists think they discovered? It's interstitium. I'm going to get it up online and we can uh, try to pronounce it and make ourselves sound intelligent. Yeah, right. I'll try to pull it up too. Yeah, I'm not sure. They don't even know what it is. And then the, the article I'm reading, it has it in, in quotes. So is it an organ? What does it do? I don't know. The, the way, I guess it's not in the, the fascia. It's all the fascia of the body. It's mostly just the intestinal fascia. I read, a slightly, I read a slightly different article. I read the one that you sent me. I also read the one on National Geographic. Okay. Um, that goes into a, not much, but a little bit more detail. And if anyone wants, wants to do this, if you just Google new human organ found, you'll get these articles we're referencing. Right. Um, it, it's, it's, they say that it's lurking just under the skin. It's actually not. So one of the big, one of the big things is that in the article you talked about is it's actually surrounding the organs. But they talk about it. It sits just under the skin. I'm I'm gonna guess below mm. the layer of fat in the skin between the fat. Is that right? Yeah, and then that's it's like a web. Well, let, let's. I don't think it's this saying it's newly discovered. And I've been reading a book. I showed you this book the other day, right? About you know mm -hmm. um, anatomy trains. And it's it's not like they're saying that they've newly discovered the fascia, but they've newly discovered that there's capsules filled with fluid within the fascia. That's the big thing about it, which is why they may think it's an organ. Okay, the interstitial fluid is what you're saying, right? Well, they call it, they don't call it interstitial fluid. They call it, I suppose it would be interstitial fluid, I, I guess. Um, mm. It just says fluid-filled com compartments. Obviously, oh. neither Scott or I are scientists, right? So we're trying to disseminate this. Right. A little bit of pro science we got going on. Yeah. That's wild. It, does, it, does that make you rethink some of the stuff that you do? Because I know, you know, it's one of many things that you do, right? But with the myofascial release, does it make you rethink maybe some, some of the work that you do? No, I don't think so. Because, I mean, whether... Whatever it may be, if the result is the same, if you're still getting a great result, if you're still moving better, if you're freeing up joint pain, then you can call it whatever you want. But if it works, it works. Yeah. So as long as you still still keep maintaining your body and feeling good, at the end of the day, you can call it a glazed donut if you want. But <laughs> just keep keep doing this thing. Uh, yeah. So no, I don't think it would. Unless they find out a benefit for it or make it more effective, uh, I was hearing just recently the the uh, essence of like milk method is not going hard. Like a lot of people will grab a PVC pipe and roll just as brutally hard as you can, and just try to take them out on the cells. But I guess uh, her philosophy is that just a little bit of light pumping, light massage, light rolling is what frees up the fluid to facilitate the tissue better. So. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I think that the jury's still kind of out. It's kind of a new, relatively new area of self-maintenance that's, like we said last time, just gaining more popularity. Yeah. Uh, 10 years. Oh, shit, I guess maybe 20 years. Yeah. 20 years now since it's really kind of been introduced, I guess. So it's, you know, as we grow and evolve, we'll probably add to it and take what we know and improve upon it as long as the outcome's the same as pain-free movement and how to facilitate personal maintenance.
Yeah, the the I suppose the result that you get is less important than it's good to understand why because then it's maybe easier to you know take it further and apply. But if you get the result yeah. safe, safely, sure. I guess it, yeah. The analogy is, is like um, if you want if you want the light on in the house, you can learn what makes the the light switch turn the light on, or you can just turn the turn the light on. <laughs> if you want to learn electricity and get on the neat and the nuts and bolts of it, so be it. But if you want to just get the lights on, just just put. May, uh, may, maybe you can tell that to my to my three and a half year old who asks who seems to want to ask why for absolutely everything you know um i think i've lost you slightly i'm going to switch into that connection it could be my connection i'm going to fill this space while scott's awake i'm guessing it's still it is still recording my audio and when scott comes back on i want to ask him about the right or the wrong way to to look at to look at Maya Fasho in terms of the way that you should manipulate it. Let's have a look. There we go. Are you back with me yet, Scott? So again, I'm gonna to try to fill some of this airspace. So one of the books, oh I've lost Scott. I think he'll come back on. So the book that I'm referencing that's uh, this guy Thomas, Thomas Myers Anatomy Trains, he talks a lot about this web of fascia that in, interweaves with everything that we've got and we talk about manipulating fascia versus manipulating muscles but in reality it's you can't really target one without the other you've got a layer of fascia that will sit on top of the muscles but it's also interwoven within the muscles um, and you have a superficial layer but there's also a deeper layer according to according to this guy um, and this guy's been you know looking at this within uh, you know, it, with the combination of researching hands-on clinical practice for, I think, nearly 30 years. So he's almost, I don't know if he's, he's the godfather of Maya Fascia, this guy, uh, guy, say guy, doctor. It must be Dr. Thomas Myers. Um, so Anatomy Trains is a very, very good book if you want to read really deeply into some of this stuff. But I think what's definitely new is these, these sacks of fluid within within the Maya Fascia, and it's a, maybe that then leads to, um, let me get a message, Scott, here. There we go. Now I should be on. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Cool. We're back into it. Whew, it's a long coffee break. <laughs> Dude, that happens all the time. It's such a pain in the ass. Oh, my God. So, um, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't, like, we can't find a stable internet connection. <laughs> it wasn't the internet though. It was my uh, my phone wasn't uh, laptop wasn't plugged in. Okay. And then I uh, just went out. It, it is it is what it is. No worries. But we are back. Yeah, we're back. I, I've hey. got a. Well, I was going I was gonna ask you, but go on. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say there was something you said last time we got together that was like a a little nugget in my brain. I, I haven't let go of. I was doing back yesterday pull ups and and biceps. And you were talking about, I was telling you about the tendonitis that I get in my forearm and bicep, and you're like, that's normally due to bicep weakness. I was curious, when you roll frequently, like every day, do you get pain in the elbow, pain in the forearm, pain in the bicep? Do you ever get tendonitis that way? Touch wood. You, touch wood very rarely. Really? That's um, I know people do. It's very, very common. Um, I think it's usually one of... It's one of a couple of things. Uh, your 
So the thing that we were talking about was with the bicep, where if you're doing a lot of pulling motion towards you in jujitsu, then mm. it's, going put, it's going to put a lot, a lot, a lot of stress and strain onto onto the bicep. Um, and then if the bicep gets tired, the stress and strain goes into uh, goes into the connective tissue, um, goes into the tendons and ligaments, and then yeah. can radiate. And it put, stresses those tissues a lot. Um, the the similar thing can happen with the forearm as well. If you if you don't do that much grip strength training, then the forearms become tired, and then again the tendons that go up and connect through the elbow they they're, they're going to become inflamed and sore. And the yeah. other thing the other thing that I think is quite important. I ha- I was doing this before you called me actually. I've got these these are iron mind rubber bands. I'm working a lot of the extent the extensor muscles. Yeah, because where you pointed to me, where you get in the tendonitis on the kind of the upper outside of the forearm, that suggests maybe that those muscles are working, but maybe they're not strong enough. Because I was thinking, I, yeah. I was thinking that they were they were getting overworked. Like maybe the bicep was just way too overworked from the way that I do my game and the, the amount that I lift. But that spot at the top of that brachioradialis right there is usually where I get the the most of my. Yeah. So I was thinking if that area is already tight, then extensing would tighten it even more. But I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe, maybe. But a strong muscle is also a more flexible muscle, right? Typically. Right. So I think there's, you know, you've got to. I think you've got to treat the immediate cause of it, and it's going to be tightness. It's going to be. Um, you know, the, the, usually this the stress of the muscle being too tight then pulling and putting strain on the on the connective tissue but i think over time the reason it's getting so tight is maybe because it's it's, it's not weak it's not strong enough mm-hmm. um okay. and i've like it's there's, this is not going to work for every single person but the vast majority of people that i've given those kind of three or four pieces of advice to well, and, yeah. and tends to work very well i i, I say that I don't think a lot. Some people, a lot of people don't. No, actually, let's ask you a question. When you're doing, so you do, you're doing pull-ups. I'm guessing you do a lot of pull-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're doing actual, um, what kind of what kind of volumes are you doing? Uh, I've been mixing it up a little bit lately. I've been kind of keeping it in the lower rep range, about yeah. eight to ten, and maybe I'll go heavy, maybe I won't. I'll kind of vary it. Some days I'll go heavy, some days I'll go light. I won't max out, but I'll just go until it feels I feel a good. Uh, a good range and a good pump and they'll back yeah. off. And then, you know, a week later I might just go as heavy as I can during that, during that rep range. Yeah. But I, I usually don't go for max volume. I'm not doing like 25, 20, 25 pull-ups, that kind of thing. I usually keep it below 15. Yeah. When I do. Yeah. And then when you do the bicep work, what, what are you doing for biceps? I mix it up. I'll do barbells, easy curls, dumbbells, uh, hammer curls, pretty much. What kind of rep ranges? Full range, kind of similar, around 12. I might flirt with 15, 20 just once in a while just to hit it. But usually I'll keep it in the, uh, the 10, 12 range. Okay. So I, what I typically recommend people to do is stay within three to five rep ranges mm-hmm. for both. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm t- typically recommending people doing you know more body weight stuff for the upper, upper body, but it could work with bicep curls as well. Um, and you know, I think you know this as well as I do, right? For the benefit of people, people listening, that you know, when you're sticking in that rep range, that two, one of two things are happening. Um, it's more optimal for developing strength, and it doesn't mean you need to max out. It doesn't mean, <clears throat> mean you max out, right? You can say, you know, if if you can hit more than six reps 
for a couple of sets. It's probably not optimal for developing strength. It's more muscle building and then the further you get into muscular endurance but the other thing that's going on i think that's very specific to you know the, the connective tissue through the arms and particularly with the uh, through the elbow is that the higher intensity the load the better it is at strengthening that connective tissue as well yeah yeah i got you i guess that's the uh that's the hard part for those who are bodybuilders and training jujitsu yeah, because you're so you're so lucky that a hypertrophy phase where you're hitting that range of eight to twelve versus the strength range, which you know both are important. But then you're training jits and you're you're activating those muscles constantly. So yeah. I know that I, I roll with a lot of guys that that bodybuilders bodybuilders as well, and they okay have constant pain, you know, in just multiple areas depending on what it is that they're overtraining. So I'm sure there's a sweet spot, and you probably have some listeners too that are that are lifters or maybe bodybuilders that. Are rolling and doing jets and getting issues like that too. So, I guess a good question is how to how to marry those two worlds of gaining size and hypertrophy, and also gaining strength. Yeah. Unless you, you know, maybe if you periodized it or you split it up and just for one cycle, four to six weeks you're going for one, four to six weeks you're going for another. But at the same time, like for training jets constantly throughout, and that's when I think you're going to get that tendonitis and burnout in some areas. Hard. So I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. I so I used to, until very recently, would go down the more traditional strength and conditioning periodization. I, I suppose block block periodization or linear periodization is what you'd call it. Where you know maybe you do a three to four week preparation phase, which is a combination of a bit of height height. I trip high. I can never pronounce high trophy. like a hyper kid. I can, yeah, hi, 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 yeah, that word. Yeah. Muscle building. Right? I'm just going to say muscle right. building. <laughs> building, getting gains. I know the science behind it. I just can't use the word. Um, you know, maybe combined with a little bit of muscular endurance work, then you go into a more strength, then you go into more power, then you go into more speed. Right. Um, one of one of the books that I, I read at the start of the year, and I've talked about it a little bit, and I haven't talked about it. I'm looking over my shoulder. It's on the shelf. Not that you can see it. Um, it's, the book is called The System, and it's Soviet Periodization for the American Strength Coach. Um, written by three, three of the leading, I think they're retired now, but you know, over their tenure, the leading strength and conditioning athlete, um, coaches for the NFL. And they've trained other athletes and other sports um, people as well. And mm -hmm. they learned heavily from, from the Soviet methodology and they, what you, the, the term that gets banded around a lot is wavy periodization and wavy periodization yeah wavy um and wavy. Maybe, yeah wavy as in as in a wave right um right. now i probably need to do an entire podcast on this and i think i need to prepare to do it justice as well i should try to get some of the guys on but, yeah, one, but one of the things is there are seven seven kind of key lifts that you focus on um throughout throughout your trade uh, throughout the training different training cycles um and they call these like the the, ma the main lifts or core lifts i forget you're going to have um, a clean in there there's going to be a snatch there's going to be a jerk there's going to be a high pull there's going to be a squat there's going to be posterior chain work whether it's deadlift or otherwise um and and pushing work and I think that's seven exercises and some of them like the uh, up, up, upper body pushing work posterior chain and squat work is more of a strength exercise um traditionally because you move the bar a lot slower so they, so they stay away from the squat work and they just replace it with cleans 
No, the squat, the squat stays in there, right? The okay. squat does stay in there. And then you would have the, 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 the clean, the jerk, the snatch, and the high pull, which are all um, Olympic. I'm not sure if they're all classified as Olympic lifts, but they're much quicker lifts. Mm-hmm. When we talk about speed of the bar being very, very important. Mm-hmm. What, what, the, what, what they do then is shift. You never take out any of those exercises entirely, but you would shift the emphasis of those exercises based on where you are in the training in in the in a season let's say so yeah. maybe that, that you focus more on the squat and posterior chain and pushing work at the start of a season but then throughout the season focus more on the quicker movements so you never you never entirely lose one aspect and there's you know they talk about you know certain rep ranges for you know muscle building as well and the idea is you never go from entirely one to another they're always in there, but you put a, a larger percentage on particular types of training where, based on where you are in the seasons. You never, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you focus entirely on bodybuilding. If you want to be a power lifter, you focus just on raw strength. But if you want to be an athlete, it's having that balance. And um, mm. so, you know, are you going to be the max across all of those? You know, maybe not, but you're an athlete. You don't need to specialize. And you know, unless that is your sport, so it's. I probably need, I, I I should get in touch to get some of the guys on the podcast. Um, yeah, that'd be great, especially if you coupled it with the uh, jujitsu specific training. I mean, all those all those lifts you definitely need, but uh, what's the sweet spot to enhancing performance without burning out and yeah, overworking, especially as 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 one gets older too. I mean, I'm sure the audience runs the gambit, but when you're younger, mitochondria is younger and healthier. You train all day, no problem. But once you start peaking in your thirties, forties, you got to start doing a, a more precision maintenance and precision training so you can stay healthy and not uh, not get injured. So you, I, I'm gonna come back to that. I'll just finish the point I was gonna make, but I want to come back to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, what's what's really good about this book is because they've done it in as you know training nfl athletes nfl has a season jiu-jitsu doesn't have a season people say it does but it doesn't really right you're always training yeah, it's always yeah but what's good about this is they talk about how to combine the lifting with a lot of the sprint practice they've got to have a lot of the agility type practice they've got to have um you know plyometric training yeah. which obviously can be beneficial for jiu-jitsu as well on top of the game practice and also on top of a game once a week so that that's that's what I really particularly liked about it is that you can take that and I'm trying to at the moment over the last kind of three months have been trying to you know formulate that and you know think about okay how does it apply to a jiu-jitsu athlete um mm-hmm. so, so it's, I don't have the I think it's, it's it's been working really well for me personally but I'm not ready yet mm-hmm. I think to, well I'm, I'm maybe about ready to start working with with people on it um, yeah I figured, why not right beta test and and try it out. I think that'd be a great compliment to the stuff that you already offer through your yeah. site. I was, I was curious too. Do you offer a, a like a grip strength program? Like do I've do got these over the next four to six weeks to get X outcome? Do you think I should? Absolutely. I mean, I, I would definitely do it myself. I'd like to see like if if what you can do can fix my tendonitis issue based off of what you know on on your your grip research. Yeah. I think that'd be a, that'd be killer. I, I thought about it. I did think about it. Right? Um, there's, I, I've got a couple of videos up on grip strength training, but they're older videos. Um, 
the content is good, but the, the quality of the way I shot the video, the energy of the video is all wrong, right? So I need to redo it. And I saw, I saw a video recently, and I won't, I won't, I won't name this person's name, um, but there is someone who's you know, trained a lot of athletes, trained some MMA fighters. He's training some top jiu-jitsu uh, fighters at the moment, and he put up a video with two, two exercises for um, grip strength for jiu-jitsu. And those exercises were they're good exercises and if you use those exercises you will improve your grip strength right so not to knock those but i think there's always some key pieces of information that people miss when it comes to grip strength training and yeah. they, were, they weren't covered in that video i've covered them in some articles that i've done in the past but i think i haven't pieced them together into one i want to do a video and maybe a program would be a good idea as well and one of the biggest things there's, there's probably about four or five areas i'd need to cover in this video but one of the biggest things that people are missing when it comes to grip strength training for jujitsu or grip strength training in general is the remember when you came over the other day and I was demonstrating the, the kind of the crimp grip above the door frame. Yeah. Gripping onto a very, very thin piece, piece, piece of wood where, um, so for those of you, obviously nobody was there, but basically, yeah. uh, Lawrence has a, uh, a piece of wood attached above his door that, uh, you can, I just hang from it, essentially, right? Yeah, it's barely, it won't go, it's about half an inch, maybe three quarters of an inch, and it won't go past the first knuckle. It's not deep enough. So it's almost, you're literally hanging on for your fingertips like you're hanging on for dear life. Mm. And it's a very, it's an incredibly, I say common, it's a normal form of grip, grip strength training for rock climbers. And the the reason that it's, it's, it's so effective is when you start, uh, you know, have when you place in a lever right on the end of your fingers you're actually working different muscles within the forearms than you would when you just close your grip entirely like wrapping your hand around a bar or a thick bar which is the most common form of grip grip strength training people do right. um, and when you put that incredibly high, those incredible high loads on the ends of your fingers the amount of leverage um that you've got to create to hold on puts an incredible amount of stress through the tendons, the ligaments, and all the connective tissues of the hands, and you've got to do it at a certain load. Once you go, but once you be, go beyond the load that you can hold for about ten to fifteen seconds, it's no longer optimal for developing the connective tissue and developing grip strength. And there's research and studies to show that this is one of the most effective ways. Um, so it it, it becomes. Um, your grip strength training becomes much more complete when you add in these kind of exercises on top of just the typical, I, I hang from a pull-up bar all the time, hang from one arm, I'll hang weighted, still a great exercise, but on top of yeah. that stuff, I don't think people, I, I, I guarantee that 95% of people doing jiu-jitsu probably don't do those kind of exercises. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely in that category. Like I do that, the hanging all day long from gymnastics rings and from yeah. bars and one arm and, and play around with my shoulder blade and, and, and the, uh, and the rotator cuff, but under any of that grip stuff. So that was, that's mm -hmm. hyper valuable. The idea of, you know, hanging out for 10, 15 seconds only and uh, training that. How often do you do it? Do you do it? Would you do it every day? I've tried using the concept of, you know, you know, the grease in the groove concept. No. So Pavel Satsalin talks about this in a lot of his books where rather than let's say you were going to do kettlebell training and you were going to do three sets of, six reps with kettlebell swings over three over three days so monday wednesday friday so that would be what 18 uh 30 36 42 right 42 reps over 
over, over the week. My, my math yeah. is bad there, 52 reps. Okay. So rather than doing, you know, three sets of six, what if you did, you know, one set of two reps on the hour, every hour between nine and five, five days a week. So it's a lower, it's a lower volume, but, but um, lower volume on the individual set. So maybe less intense on the body, but over the week you get far more repetitions in. Right, right. Um, so I've tried it with a little bit with the grip strength training, greasing the groove. So I work from home, so I'll go down when I get a drink, I'll jump on, do a couple of seconds. I found that works quite well. Um, that's been quite effective, but now I tend to do it. I will do three to five sets of their short hands. They're five, they're five to 10 seconds, yeah. um, which research shows is best for developing grip strength. But I also, when you, when you have a higher intensity and a lower volume, I think you're using any different energy systems you use when you're training jujitsu, which mm -hmm. tends to be um, a little bit lower intensity, but longer in terms of the volume that you're holding your grips for and you're working for. Right. That's interesting. And during that time, would you notice like a difference in improvement? You would notice, like, let's say, whenever you did it, you, you saw strength improved, your ability to hold was better? Yeah. I'll t I, so I'll, I'll give two examples. I'll give my, I'll give my personal example. Um, my personal example is, you know, absolutely. When I started bringing, it's a called, it's called a crimp grip. Climbers mm -hmm. will be familiar, right? So when I, I started bringing in this crimp type training, um, almost, almost an instant. Oh, it's not almost instant, but a dramatic improvement in my grip strength. Um, and particularly, you know, for, we rely a lot on the fingers with jujitsu. Very rarely are we going to get a nice, comfortable grip. And yeah, you can do the stuff with the gi. You know, I will do that kind of work as well. That helps. Yeah. Um, I, I feel touch wood, right? I'm not saying this is, uh, I'm a data point of one, right? In, in, in this example I'll give, I'll give another example in a second, but, mm. um, you know, my hands and my fingers feel relatively healthy. I very rarely tape them up, but that could be in a whole host of reasons, right? So uh, that's anecdotal, right? Nothing yeah. else. But the other person that, um, I worked with a couple of people on this. I don't do research, right? I'm not a scientist, unfortunately. But there's um, the guy who's a, a grippedo trainer, which mm. was that, that big metal thing that you picked up with the ball yeah. on the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so this, is, this is someone who has a grip strength training company, so to speak, right? He builds and, and, and it's his job, right? It's what they do, right? Yeah. And when I, when I shared with him the science on you know, the certain loads, the certain rep ranges, um, the certain time that you would do this for and kind of the crimp grip stuff. You know, he was like, he was blown away but with the difference that he saw in his grip strength as well. Yeah, because I wonder, like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, that wrestle with this too. My, my fingers just get destroyed yeah. when I train constantly. I mean, I, my, I can't straighten my ring finger anymore and I get that, really? that, green, that green onion, you know, look and that, the, top, the top joint. Yeah. If I, I translate, I mean, like I'm like a mummy. I got to tape everything up to even train. But I haven't done any specific hand or, or grip training. So, I mean, I would definitely be down to take the Pepsi challenge and see if in four to six weeks I can get it where my hands feel stronger to the point where they don't need to be so. Let's do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let me send myself. Let, let me send myself an email so I can remember this. For sure, man. I think um, that'd be huge. That'd be. That'd be um, uh, we can start off with you. Uh, three, yeah. Three grips. And I would say anybody that's listening to this, chime in and, and jump in on the data on this and give you some feedback so we can perfect this thing and say, 
So I don't see why four just four weeks, especially, is plenty of time to develop enough. You tell me. I mean, you've done maybe, it. maybe, maybe. Um, so so soft, soft tissue, you know, predominantly the you know the muscle will regenerate within about four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about the connective tissue, that takes at least the research that I've read and you know that the people I've heard talk about this subject is you know more twelve to sixteen weeks. So okay. you will see what you what you're probably going to see in the first four to six weeks is. Um, uh, an adaptation in the central nervous system right, and ability to recruit those neural pathways. So you should see a benefit, but it'd be interesting to see four to six weeks and then also about 12 weeks to see what goes on. Yeah. I, I got into an email conversation with one guy. Um, oh my God. I'm, apologies. If you're listening, I forgot, I've forgotten your name, but we exchanged some emails probably about six or seven months ago, maybe longer. He's based up in Canada. had just started training jujitsu mm. and talked about you talked about the green onion right on the knuckles <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah yeah but um like i think they called nodes mm-hmm. when like tissue starts to cartilage starts to wear away you start to get swelling yeah on top on top of the knuckles right and yeah for sure at the moment um so there's this study there's there are studies that look at judo fighters in their early 20s and you know, most um, there was a study that was done, I think, with about thirty judo fighters, and a, a lot of them showed at least some signs of it's early arthritis, right? Yeah, In, sure. Um, but then there was another study that I looked at where they had they they looked at rock climbers, rock climbers that had been rock climbing for at least uh, ten ten years, and they were. Um, and they had thicker that the, 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 all of the tissue and the, all the bone and the cartilage, et cetera, was, um, and, and the other connective tissue had become thicker. And to look at them, you may look like they were almost towards being arthritic hands. But when they actually analyzed it, they, they weren't. They were just the, the, all of the, the tissue, the bones and the cartilage. I'm not saying that I'll need, I'll need to look at the study, right? So don't quote me on the specifics. But, yeah. So the, the tissue had thickened and developed, but they hadn't. They didn't have signs of actual arthritis. Mm. So it, you wonder then if, if done in a controlled fashion, you know, putting high mechanical loads through the joints and through through the tissues over a period of time, again in a controlled manner, you know, yeah, strengthens that tissue and, and, and maybe protects you from some of the long term damages. Yeah, I think so. I, I think maybe that methodical approach to it is probably the way to go because I think yeah. we just kind of jump in and hope for the best. I mean, as it thickens up, it would you would hope it would be something that would protect the joint and, and be able to do and not be arthritic. But this one, the fact that you feel pain afterwards, yeah, in, deep in the joint for me is just a clear sign that going down that whole going down that path consistently training, then uh, you're going to get some, some arthritis at some point. I think, yeah, I don't want to sell kind of snake all the people and, and promise that this kind of stuff will always work for a lot of people, yeah, but it's, it, it, you know, and it's, um, you know, so I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I try to be very honest when it's my personal experience and try to give examples of people that I've worked with, but, mm. um, you know, this, the research on this, so this, there is research, but it's fairly limited. Um, but it's one of the things that I think about, what and it feels like I'm 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 doing all the talking and I want to stop, but is it, no. you've got no, me on. This, I'm fast. This, this is all interesting stuff, man, for me. So I'm I'm always learning too. This is great. Um. So what I was going to say is, we see 
there tend to be a lot of programs that are sold online where it's, I saw one that referenced, we talked about wavy periodization, which is why I use the term um, to describe the Soviet periodization. This person had used wavy periodization and they said, it's a nine week program that I use with Bachacha and some other athletes. People may have seen it, right? Um, I don't want to call out the person's name, one, because I can't remember. And two, you know, I've not seen the program itself. So it's unfair for me to make those comments. Mm. What my, gen, my, my gut instinct is that uh, unless you've already got an incredibly solid and consistent base of strength and conditioning, there is no way in the world you're going to get in the best shape of your life in nine weeks. It's just not going to happen, right? Marcus Puchetcher can do that because he's probably been following a program for several years. Sure. You know, it takes, it, to get to your full athletic potential, it, you know, it can take seven, eight, ten years even, right, to develop, to develop that. Yeah. Um, but the, the point I was going to make is that I, I, I do do work with people where it's based on optimizing performance and maximizing performance. But the stuff that I think about most is, okay, how do you, you know, like your work, right, with Mobilitas, um, you know, how do we look at people having healthy hips, healthy shoulders, healthy knees, healthy hands? So, yes, there's a performance element to the, some of this stuff. But more importantly, I think what most people want when they train jiu-jitsu, at least when you get past a certain age, but the bulk of people, they just want to, they don't want their body to hurt, right? They want to be able to train jujitsu. They want to perform well, but they also want to be able to get up on a Saturday morning and mm-hmm. feel good. You know, it's a, it's a balance. It's such a balance. Yeah. I think the thing is too, is that most people just want to be able to jump in. I mean, the majority of folks I know when they train, they just go and train, you know, there's no warm up. There's no, yeah. you may do the, the traditional class warm up, whatever it may be. And then that's it. You jump in, but I don't know about you, but oftentimes when you go to like an open mat, you know, say, let's light roll and then let's just get into it. <laughs> you know, that lasts for 15 seconds before it starts to get serious, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but, but you're right. But honestly, it's, it's also those things too, where like when you're younger and you're, if you're just starting out, you're in your twenties, uh, early twenties, especially, you're not going to get quite as hurt and as injured as when you start peaking in your upper twenties and then start getting your thirties, forties, fifties. And there's a, there's a lot more people training jiu-jitsu or starting jiu-jitsu in their late 40s, 50s that we're kind of seeing now are just joining joining the club and yep. and uh, you know the aches and pains are just such a such a common thing. Yeah. And you, uh, you, you mentioned the mitochondria. What were you mm-hmm. refer, what were you referring to there in terms of? You know, from what I understand is you know, as we get older, the, the mitochondria just starts to unravel. It's kind of like the end of a uh, the end of a shoelace. You know, when you take that plastic off and it just starts to just to fray and and that's, that's just the aging process. The tissues just, they don't heal as, as efficiently. And, they, and the things that we normally, you hear it constantly that when, you know, things are starting to hurt, you know. So when people are getting older, they're they just talk about, you know, oh, I'm just getting older. So things are just, just winding down. But that's a prime opportunity to learn how to take care of oneself and kind of open open your stuff up and, and learn how to, how to address the issues. How to, like we said last time, to pay attention to the check engine and do the maintenance to fix the check engine light. Yeah. You know what I mean? So from, from what I understand uh, with the mitochondria, I don't know if they're working on, you know, being able to reverse that with reverse engaging with the research that they're doing now, but it's just something that's just a part of life for right now. You do get older, things will not heal as efficiently. So how do you stay in the game when you're training as, as much as you want to train? And when you do get hurt, how do you fix it? Yeah. Yeah. I think ultimately, you know, 
the more efficient you become with your jujitsu, the better. Um, and I'm, I always preach that, right? You know, no, no strength and conditioning is suddenly going to make you better. But yeah, that's that's a, a great, great thing too. Is is when you first start. Maybe this is my problem with my tendonitis is that you you go to your default. Usually, you go to your strength. Yeah. And so, if it's in my case, let's say you know I'm right-handed, so I'm pulling constantly with my left, so I can free up my right hand, so I can attack. Yeah. So therefore, maybe that's why my left arm is burning out so damn much. But so yeah, I mean, you're you black belt. You've been training a long time. For those just getting into it, you don't have the uh, you don't have the skill set to go easy and and be more artful with it and be kind of just learning and surviving. So you, you don't you don't have the mindset, maybe. I think yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you see that so much. I know you rolled with white belts and blue belts and some purple belts too. When you when you get into it, there's just this a frantic mentality. You know, like you just jump in. But if you have mm. that mindset of when you when you learn go in there with the again the mindset of, of learning the moves maybe even step by step slow deep learning and then applying those to your rolling when you're when you're doing your actual uh, sparring it's yeah. tough though you know you know how it is when you when you spar i mean you go from thinking about things to just going all out adrenal until you get you know until you've been doing it for a while then you can revert back to your revert back to your knowledge and your base set and, and the feel of it, the muscle mechanics of it. I've I've been I've been doing something over the last couple of sessions and it's asking myself the question as often as I possibly can when I'm rolling. And this is internal, right? I'm not talking to myself on the map. <laughs> I do that sometimes. It'd be like a psycho and make eye contact with the guy and asking questions. You're like, what's going on? Yeah, there are people right. who do that. There are people yeah, that do yeah. that. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm asking myself the question, what's the most important thing for me to deal with right now? Hmm. And it takes me away from the, the mindset of, oh, shit, I've got to have my guard. You know, I've got to keep my guard. I can't let the person pass my guard. And I think yeah, my, my theory on it is, yeah, I focus more on the process. And when I stop, fo- fo- when I focus more on the process, I'm less concerned about the result and I, I become less, mm-hmm. I, I, I become less out of a flight and fight type response mm-hmm. and get, you know, the, adre- you know, a dump in the adrenaline. And it's, you know, it, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Right. But it's right. helping me. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I like to do in my game too, is uh, usually there's, it's a little bit different. It's rather than what, what am I doing here in a moment? Like what's, what's my process? I usually have one thing I'm kind of working on yeah. um, over the few weeks and say, okay, how, how do I get in this position that I'm lo- or how do I get to this move I'm looking for? And what's the entry? What's the exit? And I'll just keep trying to set that up and just and look for it as much as I can and try to get back to that. If I get out of that position. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's, that's a good perspective when you do train is what are you going after? When you're sparring, you mean, what do you? What's your what's your outcome? What are you looking to do in, in terms of how you can improve? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a, a mindset that most people have when they train. I think when they spar, they just kind of get in there and you know want to tap this guy or whatever whatever one may be thinking. But if you have that higher level perspective of what's the outcome to improve your game over the next you know couple weeks? Yeah, yeah. There's um. I had a guy on a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, Chris, Chris Matakas, and he's written quite a few books. Um, I, suppose, I call him a philosopher, philosopher of jiu-jitsu. And one of the things that he talks about in, in the book that I've been reading 
is you know you may win the battle but did you win the war or whatever or, or, or vice versa so you could you could be in a position and let's say let's say you've done you know a cross choke from mount like 10,000 times and yes you want to keep your good techniques sharp still but if you know it's easy for you to get this person in cross choke from mount sure how much do you learn from that versus maybe going for an armbar from mount and maybe your armbars are weak you know so right, right, right. yeah um, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, you know, not training the ego and just going for trying to make your weakness a strength. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I know shit for me, like being, being one of the bigger guys and it's maybe, you know, too, like when you're getting 200 plus pounds and you have some good strength, it's easy for you to smash and be on top. But how comfortable are you when someone's bigger and heavier? Let's roll with a guy who's, you know, 300, 320, six foot four. It was hard for me to not panic initially. In certain yeah. situations, because you know we're so used to. Sometimes, if we don't have our, our technique down, we muscle out of position, and that doesn't work. You know, with someone who's bigger. Then I, I roll with guys who are a buck forty, buck fifty that are smoking me. You know, because yeah. because they're able, they're they're used to that that movement, so that's their strength. And it's uh, it, it's good to, to try to keep the strength strong, but also approach your weaknesses and see what needs to be fixed. As as a, as a bigger as a bigger grappler. Did you, in the first couple of years of your grappling life, almost steer away from applying too much pressure because you didn't want to be that big guy? No, I think my, my approach was different. I mean, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm only six foot two or five, but yeah, uh, I was uh, wrestling was kind of my background. Okay, initially because I wrestled all through high school, and that's actually why I got into jujitsu initially because I had an itch I needed to scratch, and I had a buddy that was training at the time, so we got in and did it. And then after kind of towards the end of my white belt, beginning of blue belt, my approach was initially was like, well, I'm going to get comfortable being on my back. So I was doing a lot of, a lot of guard work, a lot of uh, spider guard, a lot of sweeps initially. And lately I, I'm just, I just don't like being on bottom myself. I'm a a huge fan of smash. That's, that's, I just enjoy it. Neon belly for me is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I love sucking the soul out of somebody when you're, when you got the neon belly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it's just personal preference, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. In terms of uh, being a big guy and... Uh, I, yeah. I, I know personally for me, I was... Uh, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like maybe like an inch or two taller than you, right? but a similar, similar weight. Mm-hmm. You know, usually between 205 and 215, depending on the time of year. Um, because my weight goes seasonal. I don't know why I said time of year, but you get my point. <laughs> right. I was, I think I was over relaxed because I came from playing rugby, um, mm. no grappling experience. I come from playing rugby. So, you know, very physical, very demanding sport. I was heavier at the time as well. Maybe I was 225 when I first started. And I was maybe too relaxed and didn't, you know, I almost steered away from using my strength as much as possible because yeah. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be that big guy. I didn't want to be the guy that just yeah. blew through people just through, with athleticism. Now, how long ago was that? Because you and I, we we've rolled together and trained, but it's been a couple of years. And that's one thing I noticed about your game, at least at the time, was you were you weren't hyper aggressive. You were definitely uh, letting the game come to you. Yeah, I'm. I, I yeah, I'm. I think I've always going to be. I've always been like that. Um, I'm talking. You know, it probably didn't get until 
I'm going to say late brown belt until I really understood the pressure game. Yeah. Like really, like really, and I, st- I still, I say that, that I'm still really learning it. You look at someone like Hodger Gracie, and there's the fight I always refer to. He's fighting Homolo Bahal. It's either in the 2009 or 2010 World Championships. And Homolo still competes today, right? And is still, um, you know, even at like 36, 37, he's still putting it down today. Um, so he was in his prime back then. And I think, you know, he won his weight class at least one of those years. Mm. And he, for six minutes, Hodger just slowly but surely squashes him inch Mm. by inch by inch by inch, right? So it's that ability to to do that to almost anyone. Yeah, if you saw the Checha fight. Yeah. uh, That was the same kind of thing. It was just a methodical application of the fundamentals. Just that was it. Yeah, it's be, 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 like, beautiful to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, really amazing to watch. So I, I think for me, the pressure game was something that I'm still really learning. Yeah, you know, there's, there's people that I can do it too well, but um, there are people I roll with that a lot lighter than me, right? That I can't do it too. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that ability to I, I give you another 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 Hodger example. Um, he's he put out a video recently in his website. I think he put it on YouTube as well. And he's uh, rolling with someone, uh, a guy called Hogerio, mm-hmm. who I used to train with when I was in London, right? One of my best training partners back in London. So right. And honestly, I must have part, we must have rolled about a thousand times. And I think I passed this guy's guard maybe like a hand, half a dozen times, right? Incredibly, a lot lighter than me, incredibly strong, incredibly. Um, you know flexible very very good guard the the whole the the whole shebang and he just kind of and he's a black belt now um you know he's won i think he won a european championship a brown belt um and you know hodger just went past his guard almost like it was a bad habit you know (laughs) (laughs) right like butter i guess he made him work. He made him work. I'll give him that, right? Hogerio's uh, like awesome. Um, but it's that, that, that ability to do, even when someone knows what you're trying to do and you can still do it to them. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about the sport, man, is that there's just an ocean of possibilities. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can specialize in any area that you want to specialize, and then you can work on getting that better, and then you could do very well in that, in that one area. You know, it's... And it's constantly evolving. It's, it's 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 a lot of fun to be a part of. How would you how would you describe your game? What's your A game? Well, right now it's been pretty spotty with my training lately. With the past okay. few months, I've been working so much. But um, I mean, I've been trying to get in at least shoot once a week. But when I'm training consistently, uh, it'll kind of flow a little bit. But mostly right now, it's it's mostly smash on the on Bailey, and I'll go for a choke. I'm a big yeah. fan of the Dars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Any, anyway, I can catch. I like that. In fact, Tom, when you showed us that, uh, that shoulder lock from uh, North South. Okay. I've been, I've been, I've been landing that consistently. Nice. It's, easy, it's easier for me to transition from side to North South and back to, uh, back to side and be able to catch that in between. Yeah. But, uh, but typically that's been about it. I've been staying away from, from a lot of guard stuff lately, just because of the meniscus in my knee. Sometimes it gets cranky if I'm training, hard and pulling a lot of guard and doing that but um stabilizing and passing has been kind of my kind of my gig yeah 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 sure so um let's 
swing it back around then to kind of physical optimization. And we cool. talked we talked a little bit about the the, the knee um, at the start at the start of the show. Well, it was Tuesday, right? It's now Friday, but for the people yeah. listening today, like the the, yeah, the, yeah. the time machine effect, it was the start of the show. Great. Um, what are the what are the things that you normally do to maintain your body, either kind of you know before, during, or after a, a yeah. session? Yeah, usually when I when I get to the gym, I'll try to save time for. Uh, I'll break it down into three things basically: rolling, moving, and stretching. Okay. That's kind of like my my core perspective when it comes to opening up tissue, and those are like the three things that I think are. And you mean uh, for, you mean foam rolling? Foam rolling, yeah. yeah. So myofascial release, any way you can roll with with whatever you use, it doesn't have to be a foam roller. Uh, moving some type of dynamic movements, and a lot of times we'll do that in the, the pre warm up for jujitsu anyway. And then some kind of stretching. Yep. So what I'll typically do is, like, let's say in the case of my knee, I know that my uh, my quad can get overly tight, and my glute needs to get turned on first. But with opening up the quad, what I'll do is I'll I'll roll out first, whether it be with the uh, a larger ball like the spear or with the foam roller, and I'll light up the IT band, I'll light up the quad, and then I'll do uh, I'll stretch right after too. Because from what I understand, if you stretch after you do your your rolling, your foam rolling. And that's going to help keep the uh, the stretch response a little more effectively afterward. Okay. So, so I'll stretch out the quad, and then I'll do some type of movement. And usually, what I've been doing now is just basic, easy dynamic warm ups, dynamic movements like hip circles. Uh, if they're not doing them in the pre warm up, I'll do the inchworms to warm up the calf and the hamstring, and just work on going up the chain from the calf to the hamstring to the glutes to the lower back, getting those warmed up. And then yeah. also hitting the front chain from hitting the, the quads and the hip flexors. And then I'll work on my psoas too, through the stomach with the sphere to open up my lower back and get things ready to go. Then once that's ready, ready to ready to rock, then we'll do the, the warm-ups for class. And usually I can train hard for about two, two and a half hours, no problems. And then because yeah. I was talking to one of my partners uh, a couple of weeks ago, a guy a little younger than I am, but he does a lot of heavy lifting too. And, and he's asking, he's like, man, don't your, don't your shoulders, aren't they, don't they kill you? Or don't your hips, aren't they destroyed? That kind of thing. And yeah. I was like, no, that's one thing. Is like, it's, as much as I like to train, as hard as I train, my, uh, my shoulders feel fantastic. My hips are great. And if I stay on top of my knees and get them warmed up and feeling good beforehand, then yeah, I, can, I can roll for, for days. You know? Yeah. Because your website is, funnily enough, called Your Joints Should Not Hurt. Yeah, and I, I laugh about that because it's awful. <laughs> that URL is just just awful. Um, so what we did is, yeah, we, we have a new a new URL as of last October, which okay. is mobilitas dot store. Okay. So much so much easier than your joints shouldn't hurt dot com. Uh, but if you, I mean, they're both still active. If you guys do want to go to your joints shouldn't hurt dot com, you're more than welcome. But all the stuff we're uh, we're uploading now is going to be on mobilitas dot store. Yeah. So, yeah. But essentially, that's, I mean, that's the ethos of what it is. Your joints should not be hurting. If they hurt, then something's off. So, are there any, so you talked about what you do um, as part of the warm up then for pre- predominantly the lower body and, and kind of the, the, the core. Um, do you do anything for shoulders? Yeah. You know, typically, I like these. I was getting these from Eric Cressy, uh, strength and conditioning coach. I forget where he's out of. I'm sure your listeners probably have heard of him. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with pitcher, pitcher rehab. And okay. so I was adopting some of his shoulder warm up and pretty simple, just some basic shoulder circles. Yep. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll upload some of those videos on our website too that people can access just to watch. 
Yeah. And then uh, a scapular push-up just to warm up the, the scapula and the shoulder blade. And yeah. then between the two of those, that's mostly about it. But for me, like, I have to be careful since I do a lot of heavy lifting, just mostly because I enjoy it. Yeah. My, uh, my, my left lat will get extremely tight. And same mm. with my left chest. I've, I've slightly torn my left pec a couple of years ago. So I got to be make sure that I'm getting the tissue supple before doing anything. So yeah. before, before I do the, uh, those movements, I'll do a little rolling and stretching first and I'll, I'll kind of hunt around. And it's one of those things that you gotta, you gotta get the, get get that internal feedback. So yeah. as, as you're rolling on something, okay, like what, what is aching here and what needs to be addressed to fix this. And then after I'm done, was it fixed? You got to kind of test or retest, but and your, your body will tell you if you listen to it. And that's what I've noticed. I haven't worked with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of clients of those, you know, many thousands of hours is that that internal feedback is not intuitive. So when you're, when you're, when you're rolling on your when you're rolling or you're stretching or doing anything or just or even with jujitsu, what is your body feeling in that moment? And where is it, where is it feeling it? Is it painful? Is it not painful? Uh, Sometimes there's a, a more is better philosophy when it comes to stretching. I know a buddy of mine does that when he trains Muay Thai. He's like, you know, I want to feel the pain. I want to feel the pain in the stretch. And that's not the best way to improve the stretch. You know, I mean, subsequently he tore his hamstring in a stretch with that type of stuff. And it's like you got you to gotta scale it back a little bit. And what is too much? But with your body and with stretching and, and opening, yeah, there is a, a discomfort. I don't like saying the word pain because – yeah. It's it's very uncomfortable, but painful should not be what you're feeling when you're doing any type of mobility at work to, to open yourself up with. So you're reaching just within the level of discomfort. Yeah. But waiting until that relieves slightly before you go further. Yeah, essentially. Well, when it comes to stretching, especially, you want to stay away from the stretch response of, of overstretching. So typically, like if we're saying we're just doing a stretch, what we'll do is You'll, you'll take the stretch to, let's say, a three out of four tension point, preferably a three yeah. for the first, first 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. And once you're kind of settling in, you're breathing, you're letting that, uh, letting that muscle kind of relax and open up a little bit. Once it drops to a three or two, then you take it a tiny bit further. But I wouldn't go more than beyond like a six or seven out of 10 in terms of the stretch. Yeah, okay. Oh, I wouldn't go balls to walls with it. And then once you're in there for 30 to 40 seconds, then you can start doing your contract and relax stretching, your PNF stretching to try to open things up a little bit more. So I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure you're familiar with couch stretching. When you put your foot up on the couch, you stretch your quad. Some people put it up against the wall. Yeah, for the, um, and for the hip flexor. and yeah. Exactly. So when you're in that position, just make sure that, again, within that 30 to 45 seconds after you've done that initial stretch, you want to contract the opposite muscle for about five seconds and then release it for about eight to 10 seconds, let it rebound and then contract again. So you want to cycle like that for about three to four times to help okay. in, enhance the stretch on the opposite side. It's PNS stretching. It's also going to help in that particular stretch, help the hip flexion, the quad open up a little bit better too. And that's definitely a part of my game before I do my, my phone, my, uh, my jujitsu. I'll yeah. put my foot, I'll put my knee against the wall, stretch the hell out of the quad and then, contract the glute, get that whole front chain open and then and then attack it. Yeah. Okay. So your so would you do let's use that that the hands the the quad and the hip flexor stretch with your foot against the water on the couch. So the first thirty seconds, are you contracting the glute quite strongly in the first thirty seconds? Not typically. I mean you can use it as a warm up. So let's yeah. say that you're in that position 
no matter what, give it at least a good five, 10, 15 seconds of just a light primer stretch where you're just kind of okay. taking it, you know, two to three out of 10, just kind of get in the position, let it feel itself out. And then from there, get a good squeeze. And it's going to be up to you to see how firmly you squeeze the opposite muscle. Yeah. It's again on how effective is it is affecting the stretch on the on the opposite in the front chain. So in, the, in this case, the quad in the in the hip flexor, you can usually squeeze it pretty strong for that amount of time, and you'll definitely feel it. You'll definitely feel the the hip flexor in the front top quad uh, stretching more. So, so if I if I if I talk this through, then so you do five to ten seconds on kind of low intensity, just feeling it out. Then you then you drive, then you start going into a, a higher intensity stretch, but still only maybe a four or five for say four, 30 seconds maybe. Yeah, I think I don't think you need to baby it that much. I mean, once you get once you get that first initial fifteen seconds in, you can take it up to that five to six to seven tension point. Okay. And then while you're in that tension point, then squeeze the opposite, and then once you release, you keep the same tension point, whether it be a five, six, or seven. And once that rebounds, it may drop a little bit to like, let's say a three, four, or five. Yeah. And from there, if it does, then you can enhance the stretch a tiny bit more. Okay, so you, so you stretch for a bit while contracting the opposite muscle. Then, you know, for, you said 15 seconds? About, like about five seconds. Okay, and then you, would, then you would keep the same stretch, let's say the same distance in the stretch, relax the opposite muscle for a couple of seconds, and then go back into it, but hopefully stretch further. Yes, but you would stretch for about twice as long, so eight to ten seconds, and okay. you'll feel you'll feel a little rebound. By rebound, I mean that the tension will kind of lessen a little bit, or it okay. should. And then once it does, if it does, then you can take it a tiny bit further. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the the intent is to increase your range within that one session a little bit more than when you first started, much more effectively than just a static stretch where you're hanging out yeah. for a certain amount of time. Yeah, okay, and you would do that that cycle. You know, three to four times. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and that, that can help warm up too. And to do the PNF, it's not only just the opposite muscle. You, that's one way you can do it. It's basically just contracting and relaxing. So yeah. let's say if you're if you're stretching your hamstring, you can contract the hamstring for five seconds and then release it also. Mm. So if you have your leg up against a wall or you're using a super band to kind of hold the stretch, yeah, then you would kind of almost like you're doing an axe kick. You would into you'd it, yeah. Press five seconds into it and then release. Mm. And the same the same thing. See what type of range did we get in that, in that motion? Is, is the reason that that works because this is my understanding of it. When you contract the muscle, the muscle can only hold a contraction for so long and then it has to relax and then it, then it lengthens after that. Is that what I, I, I believe that's the case. Yeah. I'm not quite sure the, uh, the exact mechanics. I also think it's turning on the central nervous system in that area as well. Yeah, okay. but, I mean, it's, it's proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. So, has to do something where the nerves are getting turned on in that particular moment where they're getting activated, all the fibers together. Yeah. Okay. What do you, I'm interested to understand what you do for core strength. And the reason I ask this is I talk a lot about, particularly with hip and hamstring mobility, and I think spinal mobility as well, is that people can, people can test this where if they lie on their back and completely relaxed core, Okay, a completely relaxed core, and they pull their leg towards them. With a um, you, you you're gonna need to have some tension to pull your leg up, right? Versus yeah. pulling your leg up with a really tight core, your leg will go a lot further with a very very tight core. Mm. Because the and my understanding of it is, I know it works again, right? But I don't know, you know, 
Um, maybe we're getting back to bro science, but when you're when 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 the body is relaxed, the body gets almost nervous that it's not strong enough to handle that range range of motion. You know that, that I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but when it comes to the core strength, I mean, from what I do know is that when the, when the core is tight and the core is braced, let's say the spine is you know, making like a fist around your spine with your, yeah. your muscles, then you're it's taking the load off the joints themselves, so the muscles are able to do what they need to do a little bit better. Yeah, okay. so I've noticed with, with clients, especially like when they're when they're not tightening their core and they're doing a movement, the the pot, especially when they're not warmed up, then they're more than likely going to feel things in their joints or their hips or their lower back. Then if they're if everything's braced and ready to go, because the core is not carrying the load versus the other end, it's helping out the process. It's kind of facilitating the current through the body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I know you've got, uh, I, I, you know, I know we've both got to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to talk quickly about the, the, the muscle gel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it to you on Tuesday. Were you able to use it? What did you think? Oh, yeah, damn right. I used it. My wife used it a little bit as well. And what I did for the first, what I did for the first day was I was quite tight in my upper trap, my lower trap, mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit on the pack, a little bit more on the left side, but kind of tight on the right side. So this is what I did. I only put the gel on my left side. So I rubbed it in and only a left side. So that, I thought that would give me kind of a comparison point of, you know, one one versus the other. Sure. Um, and I also used it on um, on Tuesday. It's even on Wednesday. Wednesday we had a pretty intense training session. Mm-hmm. And my, my grips afterwards were feeling pretty shot. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I pride myself on typically having good, you know, strong grips and good grip endurance, but they were like pretty short. So mm-hmm. I, I really kind of lathered on a bunch of that stuff then um, after I got back and eaten. And I, absolutely, my my arms loosened up. Yeah, they felt they felt they felt they felt they felt fresher. You know, I mm-hmm. haven't, I didn't have soreness yesterday in my forearms, which you know, may, you know, may, I may or may not have got it either way, right? But there was a definite, right. and the same when I rubbed it on my trap, on my on my back, it's, it's kind of a weird sensation. It's quite intense, actually, at the start. It's not uncomfortable, but it's intense. Yeah. It your attention, but definitely I felt stuff loosened up. Absolutely yeah. Stuff loosened well, like, what we put in there, and what kind of increases the blood flow is that uh, black pepper oil and the capsicum. Mm. So that's what that, that heating aspect is, which kind of increases that circulation. Then obviously the menthol crystals in there cool it down a little bit, but the, the ginger root and the turmeric that'll kind of help with the uh, with the pain receptors, especially on the top on the surface. So and there's, there's just a shit ton of stuff in there as well, like chamomile and, and everything else. But and the yeah. aloe is great for the skin. So not only to get the the heating, but then the cooling aspect. But then afterwards, when things kind of seep in a little bit, it can kind of facilitate that that soreness. And that's one of the reasons we brought it out. I mean, as I told you before, we wanted to add something to our line that we could use with some of the future products we're going to roll out. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with something similar to the Raston tool. It's mostly like a, a blade you can comb the muscle with. And we have a, a myofascial release stick we're going to roll out that's going to be stainless steel that's going to grab the skin a little bit more. Yeah. So we want something that would help glide over the, uh, over the skin but also provide a benefit to the muscles topically. And so that's yeah. why we, we developed that, uh, that muscle gel. And it's been... It's been pretty slick. You know, the smell is nice too. It's nice not having that that nasty tiger bomb smell that destroys the gym when one guy starts to use it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's um I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. So I appreciate yeah. you you know, give, yeah. giving that to me to try. And it's That's um awesome. yeah, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do some some kind of lifting after this. So I'll be 
Sure. I, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to go and sit in the hot tub. I haven't got a hot tub, but my community has a hot tub. And right. And put it all over my traps because they get quite tight, and then just kind of sit in the hot tub. And yeah, yeah, I did that the other day too. I was trying to driving through the LA traffic, and I know so I was doing some heavy deadlifting the other day. Yeah. And my my upper neck tension was just out of control. I don't think really? I was fire, firing my lats the right way. So I'm sitting there in traffic. I was like, you know what? I'm slapping some of the stuff on here, and it uh, yeah, it does the trick. You. Know. It's cool what we'll do man let's do this let's um i'll set up a code for you guys for you and your your audience and i'll shoot that your way so you guys fantastic try it definitely can uh i don't know what the the code name would be but uh we'll come up with that we'll find something we'll figure it out yeah that'll be really cool yeah for people to try it um yeah it'd be awesome i'd love the the feedback too once you guys use it to see you know hey can we make it better what uh what can we do to, to make it the best out there? Yeah, you, know, you hear that, guys. Um, I know you've got to drop off, right? I do, yeah. i got to pick up my little one from school right now. Yeah, okay. So I'm just going to leave you go. We'll cut it straight here. So, But I'll make sure to link in the show description to all of your stuff, etc. Cool. Um, Brothers, and this has been totally fun, man. I really would have liked to hop on here for another hour or so. Just, this, the stuff you're talking about with the grip stain, I mean, you, if, I'm, if I'm the nudge, you have to do it. You got it this okay. month. Come up with a program. I'm your first beta tester. Dude, done. Done. Uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Scott, thank you so much. Dude, Lawrence, thank you, man. Any final thoughts or words to leave people with? No, that's really it. I think one thing I wanted to say, like I said, about the, the three ways for mobility, rolling, moving, stretching, and the last thing is when you're rolling, there's also another three things. Slow pressure rolling, uh, lengthening and shortening the muscle while you're rolling on it, especially if you find a trigger point, and then cross shearing. It's kind of like oscillating on there to open up all those muscle fibers. Those are usually the, the two nuggets I like to, to drop off. Mm. That, that and your body is a puppet on strings. So if you do have pain, that's your body's check engine light. Find it and fix it. It's up to you. There you go. Yeah, we'll have to do another one soon, buddy. I think. Still, man. Yeah, we got to roll too. It's been too long. We got to get there and train with you guys. Oh, you got to get back training first, right? It sounds yeah, like you're yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it anyway. We'll jump in. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Matt. And have a great weekend and we'll speak soon. All right, buddy. Sounds good. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, later. Later. I'm very excited to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by the Mallorca BJJ Yoga Festival. If you listen to one of our recent episodes with uh, Mr. Joe Nordebert, uh, who is a black belt instructor um, under the Hodger Gracie team and runs and, and teaches jiu-jitsu, at his academy in Mallorca, he talked at length about a really exciting festival that he's got coming up in October of this year, the Mallorca BJJ Yoga Yoga Festival. So obviously, it's a mix of jujitsu, it's a mix of yoga, and it's going to be for one week in, in October on the island of Mallorca, which is in the Mediterranean. If you've never been to Mallorca, it's an incredibly beautiful island, um, really idyllic, ama- amazing, clear blue water amazing food, amazing culture, and the weather in October is going to be absolutely perfect. So depending on where you live, if you need to escape the winter blues and get a dose of vitamin D, I've been to the island myself, spent time with Joe there, it's a fantastic place, he's a fantastic guy, but uh, you know, more than that, you're going to get some incredible jiu-jitsu instruction there. The confirmed people so far, and these are only the ones that Joe has announced, uh, Mauricio Gomez, um, not every, most of you will know who Mauricio is, but those of you who don't, that's Hodger Gracie's father. Um, so to learn jujitsu 
from one a person who in his own right was an incredible competitor back in his day you should listen to some of the stories but also would have been a key influence in the success of who is in my opinion the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time that's a person you absolutely want to, to learn from um done a few lessons with him and myself in the past and can absolutely vouch for the quality of the instruction you'll get there also ross nichols uh, you know, one of the the most prominent uh, BJJ black belts in the UK. Ross was on the on the show a couple of weeks ago, and also you've got Daniel Strauss, aka the Raspberry Ape, uh, and uh, both Ross and Daniel, both Hodger Gracie black belts, both prominent uh, competitors in the UK scene. And Daniel Strauss, obviously very unique in his approach to strength and conditioning as well. So, and those are just the three people that Joe's announced. Um, and on, so there'll be there'll be jujitsu every day. There'll be yoga every day. You can mix and match between between them both. And it, it, knowing Joe, the setup is going to be brilliant. There's going to be amazing food there at this hotel. You know, these, this guy knows how to, how to you know put on put on a good show. And what's even more exciting is that he's given me a discount code that I can give to you. That you can use to get ten percent off your booking plus 50 euros as a credit to spend at the hotel so if you bought a room for two people you'll get 10 percent off plus you will get 100 euros to spend at the hotel so that's a pretty good deal if you ask me that uh, code is early griff 50 i'll put it in the show description below so you, you know you, you can work past my accent and the other really good thing about um the way Joe has set this up is that it's only 250 euros to reserve a place. So if you haven't got all the money now, you can reserve your spot and you can actually get a refund up until the second, the second of August. So you can put your money down now because there's only 300 places, guys. 300 places and you know, with, with how big jiu-jitsu is in Europe at the moment, those are going to go quickly. So I've, if I was you, I would really, I would snap up the opportunity and get on top of that as quickly as you can. And if you're having an hour in, just reserve your space and you've got up until, you have up until April the 2nd to get a full refund. So, you know, I'd advise you to book your space um, as quickly as you can. And then you can always get the refund up until April the 2nd. So I'm going to put an, a bit of information in the show description with the the, the, the discount code, uh, the at MBJJ Yoga Fest, the Instagram handle, and also the website where you can go and book. Um, but, you know, at the very least, guys, get onto Instagram, follow those guys and find out what's going on. But I would highly recommend going to the festival in, in, in Mallorca, train BJJ for a week, do some yoga, have a, have a damn good time. And, you know, fingers crossed, maybe I can make it out there from California as well. But with that, guys, let's get on with the show.